Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. Thank you again for coming and listening and tuning in to our broadcast here. Uh, I've got another um, episode. I've got something interesting that I hope hope you'll find interesting. Um, This will be part of our Missiological Exploration Series. And um, what we're going to do here is I'm going to read to you an article I wrote recently. You know, some of you, you know, some people don't like to read. They'd like it read to them. (laughs) Uh, and you know that's we're here to please. That's that's why we're here. <laughs> Make sure you you don't have to put forth any more effort than you want to. <laughs> Isn't that a blessing? So, um, what we're going to be reading to you today is a, is a, an an article or an essay that I wrote about David Livingston and his philosophy of missions. And um, I think it'll be a help to you. Now, understand this is not prescriptive. Um, I think the ideas here, David Livingston's idea of missions, his his, his uh, philosophy of missions are a good tool to have in the bag, uh, but, it, but it is not to say that everything he, his idea was exactly right and that everyone should do it and that it would work anywhere and everywhere. There will be cases where this will be the way to go, and there will be cases where it will not. And uh, the point of this, though, I'll give you the title, David Livingston, A Philosophy of Missions, Deliberate Missionary and incidental explorer. The point of this is to prove or to attempt to prove or demonstrate as best I can that David Livingston was a missionary, not an explorer, and that exploration was somewhat of an incidental outworking of his philosophy of missions. It just they just happened to coincide and work together and and I think you'll see what I mean. Uh, so I'm going to read this to you. Uh, forgive me for looking down and not looking at you as I'm talking, but um, you just listen along if you're if you're listening to the audio and uh, watch if you're <laughs> watch me read if you're watching the video. Uh, either way, I hope it'll be a blessing and a help to you. If you want to read this yourself, you can find it at plenteousredemption.com on our website. And um, thank you for praying for the material there and the things that we try and present. That again. Our our hope, our goal is to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. David Livingston, A Philosophy of Missions. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, 
For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9.16 The secular world liberally reports its perspective of David Livingston. As a result, word associations commonly connect his name with exploration. I intend to demonstrate that he was foremost an ambassador for Christ. His accolades as an explorer were incidental to his philosophy of missions. Livingston's philosophical approach to missions was conducive to exploration. However, exploration was not his vocation or desire. His letters inform us that his primary objective was to preach Christ where his name had not been proclaimed. These same letters also help explain what appears to be an undercurrent of ministerial impatience. His short bursts of time in different locations and the exploratory features of his life work are adequately understood through the lens of a duteous, itinerant missionary. Livingston was known for his three missionary journeys, taking him further into the interior of Africa. The latter journeys are most notable and provide valuable information of a geographical and cultural sort. But we will use his move from Bechuanaland to Lake Ngami as an example. He was criticized for this. It appeared to many in his day and subsequent observers as hasty. It was undoubtedly contrary to the missiological norms of that day. But as we will demonstrate, it was coherent with David Livingston's difference of administration. In November 1852, Livingston wrote a letter to Dr. A. Tidman, the foreign secretary to the London Missionary Society. In this letter, Livingston describes the work of Bechuanaland as a failure due to its due to results that did not meet his expectations. In Livingston's mind, the missionary should arrive at a locale with people who have never heard the preaching of the cross and quickly learn to communicate the gospel to them. The souls saved would be organized into a self-sustaining church, and the missionary would move on to the next group of unbelievers. His time in Bechuanaland produced one known convert, Sekele, chief of the Bequana. But within six months, Sekele had gone the way of Demas. By April 1851, David Livingston's mind was set. He was leaving Bechuanaland for Lake Ngami. His understanding was that the Bequains had willfully rejected the gospel. Livingston said the source of their unbelief was being pinched by hunger and badgered by the Boers. These difficulties were no different than those his father-in-law Robert Moffat faced. Moffitt took them head-on and was reasonably successful. The difference was Livingston labored under a disparate set of self-imposed expectations. When not met, his solution was to move on. For Livingston, the number of people who had never heard outweighed the need to focus on groups who appeared slow to believe. A complexity of needs regarding various competing personalities exist in ministry settings. Some lost souls require more time, patience, and teaching before submitting to the knowledge of God. Others come to the Lord more readily and join the brethren with great zeal. Souls of the former sort, which are the majority, will require a missionary who is of a long-term mindset. Of course, 
Placing the proper missionary amongst ideal personalities is a level of curation that is not available to us. Impatience may be a reasonable charge for Livingston, but it was consistent with both his character and philosophy of missions. His letters reveal a man who did not necessarily expect rapid conversions, but he certainly preferred them. (laughs) Furthermore, he was unwilling to stay in one place, working with one people for extended periods, when others had not heard the first time. Of course, an extended period is a subjective determination based on the needs of a particular group. Livingston worked with the Bequena for nearly six years, but was often on the move. David Livingston's name is also linked to the idea of mission stations. Livingstonia is one of the more notable of them, but Livingston was opposed to long-term mission stations. He believed their proper use was of a temporary nature to facilitate the organization of a local church. Once the church was established and on its own, he believed the mission station should move on to other lost souls. I have not found evidence in his writings defining his idea of a suitable length of time. His letters show his desire to be on the move, only staying long enough to learn the language and culture, which he often accomplished rapidly and determine, and determine if the people would receive the gospel. He also reveals that he hoped a missionary would follow him with slightly more long-term ambitions, though he did not believe their presence should be indefinite. In a letter to the London Missionary Society dated January 1850, he wrote, It would perhaps conduce to the efficiency of missions if it were known that except in special instances a tribe would not be favored with a European missionary beyond a certain number of years. In his mind, favor with a European missionary was directly related to the gospel of Jesus Christ, not some sense of European superiority. In September 1851, he wrote, We ought to give all, if possible, a chance, and not spend an age on one tribe or people. In numerous letters, he reveals his intent to preach the gospel to every creature in Africa at least once. For him, preaching the gospel to those who had not heard took precedence over settling down with one particular group of people. This was his primary motivation for moving from Bechuanaland to Lake Ngami. Livingston saw in Lake Ngami a large population of lost souls who had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. He compared that to a nearly six-year-long venture with the Bequains, whom he characterized as slow of heart to believe. As far as he was concerned, the Bequains had rejected the gospel, and too many still needed to hear. He was eager to sow the seed on fresh soil, though he did not know what type it would prove to be. In his mind, he was leaving the Bequains to their chosen condemnation. Livingston addressed these ideas in a letter dated May 1849, stating his reasoning for leaving the Bequains and taking up ministry at Lake Ngami. He was admonished to stay until they were converted. His initial reply was, I hope other missionaries will be induced to pity the condition of these perishing thousands, and if not, of our society of some other. Livingston would not build upon the foundation of other men, but he did not mind others building upon his. He had plowed, broken up fallow ground, sown the seed, and watered, 
but with little to no acceptable increase. However, he hoped other missionaries would follow and continue to labor in his stead. In the same letter it followed, there are no elements in the Betuena character calculated to encourage the belief that conversions will occur precipitously. They are truly slow of heart to believe. Knowing this did not inspire Livingston to a long-term ministry, but reinforced his desire to go on to other needy people. It is therefore imperatively necessary to endeavor to extend the gospel to all the surrounding tribes. This, although it involves a great many weary journeys, is the only way which permits the rational hope that when the people do turn to the Lord, it will be by groups. David Livingston sought a great awakening by mass sowing the gospel to as many unbelievers as possible. As for the modern insinuation that Livingston was an explorer who dabbled in missions, the words of David Livingston challenge that idea. He frequently names the gospel as his principal motivation. Everything else is a means to that end. His letters reveal a philosophy of missions that drove him further into the interior. His desperate desire to continually preach the gospel to people who had never heard produced objectively useful exploratory journals. He was encouraged by the Royal Geographical Society to make goodly notes regarding his journeys and contacts along the way. These notes proved to be outstanding. A letter addressed to Livingston dated April 1852 demonstrates the admonition he received. Without such admonishments, it is unlikely that Livingston would have taken care to document his findings. We have sent extracts from your correspondence to the Geographical Society and shall be happy to furnish that society with such information as it comes to hand. But in order to give additional attraction to your reports, we should suggest that you keep a regular journal recording any remarkable events, notices of the manners and customs of the different tribes, the natural history of the country, and other topics which, as the result of observation at the time, are more likely to prove of permanent interest and value than the more vague impressions conveyed in a hastily written letter. Starting in the latter part of 1852, Livingston's journals and letters gain clarity and detail regarding his discoveries. Livingston was not in Africa to receive the honor often lauded by explorers. In 1849, as he prepared to leave for Lake Ngami, he wrote a letter to his brother Charles. In this letter, Livingston characterizes the ideas I have attempted to demonstrate. The honor of discovery will probably be given to him, speaking of Oswell, one of the men working with him. But I shall have the privilege of first preaching Jesus and the resurrection on its shores. These words indicate the exploratory features of his vocation were more of a formality or even a nuisance. Preaching Jesus was foremost and enjoyable. Another letter in 1850 addressed to Moffat states that Livingston had no regard for the fame that came from discovery. He sought to go where no European had before, not for findings unseen, but for people unsaved. After traveling to Lake Ngami for the first time, he wrote, I cannot help earnestly coveting the privilege of introducing the gospel to a new land and people. When I heard the new language and saw a few portions of the people, I felt that if I could be permitted to reduce their language to writing and perhaps translate the scriptures into it, 
I might be able to say that I had not lived in vain. I have had a strong desire ever since to be the first in the great undertaking. Perhaps it arises from ambition, but it is not of an ignoble sort. This passage states the case, demonstrating his philosophy of missions incidentally produced his work as an explorer. The two are intimately linked, but the focus was preaching the gospel. Therefore, I conclude that Livingston's motives were to seek out people who had not heard and to be the first to reach them. This naturally led to lands and peoples not previously known. He was a driven man whose philosophy of missions was born out of his deeply rooted character. An attack by a lion was not reason enough for him to quit or change his philosophical approach. He continued pressing into the interior, preaching the name of Jesus. I would never build on another man's foundation. I shall preach the gospel beyond every other man's line of things. Missionary Thomas Irvin, Ambassador for Christ, Uganda, Africa. Now, if you'd like to read this, the link will be in the description of uh, wherever you're listening to this. And I pray you'll take the time to go and visit our website, plenteousredemption.com. You can find our audio at plenteousredemption.media. And uh, if this was a blessing and a help to you, I pray that you'll share it with someone and um, stir up some conversation about preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ at home and, and all the way into the uttermost. Thank you for your time. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.